Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crime Hour. Before I start, I just wanted to thank you again for all your support and that I have started a Patreon for the Crime Hour. So if you are interested in getting your episodes early and receiving better benefits while continuing to listen to the Crime Hour, go to www patreon.com slash the crime hour that's www.patreon.com slash the crime hour it starts at three dollars a month so today we are going to be talking about donald peewee gaskins jr and before i really get into it uh just uh letting you guys know that it does contain um, graphic descriptions. It does contain, you know, um, a lot of information. I'm not going to be covering all of his victims. Again, uh, if you are interested in knowing more, you can feel free to search up uh, Donald Peewee Gaskins at the end. So Donald Gaskins Jr. was born in Florence County, South Carolina on March 13th, 1933. At the time, his mother was not married, so, of course, back then, if you were not married and you had a kid, it's very frowned upon on, right? Uh, She had many different men coming in and out of her life, and this really took a toll on Donald, because the men would treat him like trash. They would beat him, kick him, tell him to leave and not come back. So at the age of five... He would be wandering the streets at night by himself or trying to find a place to stay because the men would just tell him to leave. And his mother did not protect him. His mother let these men beat him, harass him, and kick him out. By the age of six years old, Donald learned to survive on his own because At one point, his mother would leave and stay with the new boyfriend, and she would go for weeks and just leave Donald at home. And after those couple weeks, she would come back, and it'd just be the same cycle over and over again. Which is really sad, because, you know, imagine being an only child, so you have no other person with you, no other parent... You know, it's just his mother, and she preferred to get dicked than to stay and care for her child. Eventually, she finally decided to settle, and she did remarry. But it didn't help the situation, because his stepdad would beat him and his four siblings on the daily. Growing up, Donald was a lot smaller for his age compared to all the other children at school, and those in the neighborhood, and they would make fun of him a lot. Um, Kids at school started giving him the nickname Pee-wee, and that's where he got Donald Pee-wee from. That nickname would stay with him for, like, his whole life. At the age of 11, Donald decided he was not putting up with all this shit anymore, and he was like, fuck it, I'm not coming back. So he decided to drop out of school and he started working at a car garage. To his surprise, at the car garage where he was working, he meets two boys who are around his age. 
named Danny and Marsh. The three become really great friends, and they ended up calling themselves the Trouble Trio. And they got the name because the three of them started breaking into homes, stealing, and picking up sex workers at the age of 12. But then things take a turn when they decided it wasn't enough. Breaking in and stealing and being with these sex workers was just not enough excitement for these boys. So they decided, um, they just started to rape little boys in the neighborhood. And especially boys who wanted to be their friends, right? Because they see them as kids too. And they're like, oh, you know, can I be your friend? Can we play tag? Or whatever the case may be. And the three would just rape these boys and then threaten them and say, we know where you live. If you tell anybody, I will kill you and your whole family. And these boys would be so scared, they would not tell anybody. So the three of them were never caught. But one day, the gang decided to break up due to an incident. And this incident was that the three of them decided that they needed a little more excitement. So they decided to start raping Marsh's little sister. His father comes home and walks in on them doing this, right? And, you know, parents first things and like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so Marsh's dad tied the three boys up and beat them until they were, until they bled. After that, Danny and Marsh moved out of the area, and although, you know, no charges were laid or anything like that, it, you know, the the gang broke up. But Donald claimed that doing those crimes gave him a thrill, like a thrill he's never had before, and it's, and it's not like, oh my god, like, you know, uh, I just won a contest, or like oh my god, my parents bought me a new bike, or whatever the case may be. His thrill was he liked the breaking in. He liked the rape and, you know, doing all this illegal stuff. So he continued without them. In 1946, at the age of 13, Donald decided to break into a home of a woman he's been watching for a while, uh, he starts, he, he, he sounds like the Night Stalker, huh? And he, he knew she wasn't home, so he broke in. But then the lady returns, and instead of confronting Donald, she grabs an axe that she had hidden in the house and strikes him with it. But it wasn't enough to knock him out, and Donald started fighting back. He eventually gets a hold of this axe and strikes the lady, and he gets her in the head and in the arm. He then fled the scene. But the lady survives and Donald is arrested. And he's convicted of assault with a deadly weapon and intent to kill. Which I know breaking in is a crime, but at the same time he's getting charged with assault with a deadly weapon, but she also hit him with the axe. So makes like and it wasn't like self-defense at the time, right? Because she's the one who went at him. He he was just trying to... He, was, he just broke in and started stealing stuff. He wasn't even attacking her. So why was she not charged? 
Anyways, I know I'm not a judge, but I could tell you I could already hear a lot of people saying, oh, it was self-defense, it was her house, blah, 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 blah. Yes, but again, he did not attack first. Donald ends up being sent to the South Carolina Industrial School for Boys until he was 18. The school was a reformant school for troubled teens, and Donald was immediately raped and attacked due to his height. Donald was also gang-raped by 20 classmates inside the school. Where were the teachers? Who knows? Maybe it's like prison. It's kind of like, you see, but you don't say anything. Eventually, he decides that he needs to get some type of protection while in the school because it was just every corner he turned, somebody was beating him or trying to rape him. And so he got protection from this um, thing called the boss boy, which I guess it's kind of like, imagine you're in prison and there's always that one person that, you know, like is safe from all these things because people respected them. So he wanted protection from this boss boy. So he goes and he asks, hey, listen. I'm sure you know this is what's happening to me and I'm sick of it. Please help me. And the boss boy goes, Sure, but you need to pay a price. And Donald was so desperate, he goes, Yes, yes, like I will pay what whatever I will find a way to pay whatever it is. Like how much do you want? Right? Like what would what do you want me to do? Do you want me to, you know? Be your assistant, whatever, right? And, like, this is his way of protection. And the boss boy goes, If you want protection from me, I want sex. And that's what Donald did. In exchange for his life, he gave this boss boy, he pleasured him. And eventually, Donald decides... Maybe this wasn't a great idea. I want the protection, but I also want to escape from this place. Like, I, I want to run and never come back. So he finally escapes one day, and he finds a carnival in town and asks to work there. That's when he meets a 13-year-old girl, falls in love, and gets married to her. Okay, first off, um... That's, that's, I, I don't know, like, how do you just meet somebody, fall in love right, right away and, and get married? Like, at the age of 13. What? I know times were different, but like, at 13? Um, so he gets married to this girl, and as time went on, Donald realizes, I'm never going to be free. I feel free because I escaped. But I will never be really free unless I go back to the school and finish my sentencing. Because that was the way of his sentencing, right? Going to the school instead of going into prison. And so he decides, fuck it, I'm going back. So he returns to the school to finish his sentencing. And when he was released at the age of 18, he got a job working with tobacco tobacco plantations and you know it it started looking out 
good for Donald, right? It was like, okay, he got out of school. He got a job, right? May not be the best job. I don't know. I don't know what they pay at that time. Um, I don't even know what they pay now for tobacco plantation things. But he was like, I got a job, you know. But as time went on, again, he was like, this isn't what I want to do. I want to go back to my ways. It's not thrilling to be a kid and go to work. I don't want to be in school, so I have to work to survive. But he was like, I don't want to do this job. I want to go back to my criminal ways. I want to continue breaking in. I want to continue doing what I was doing. So that's what he decided to do. So this time... Donald gets himself into insurance fraud. See, I don't understand. You have a second chance to evolve yourself, right? Like, work on yourself. Be a better person. And he decides it's not enough. He needs to go back to his regular ways. Why? You have a perfectly second, like, a perfect second chance to restart your life and not be in jail, right? To actually make something of yourself. But he decided to go through with this. And insurance fraud is... Huh, it's terrible, I tell you. Um, it's one of the worst things. And it could... Like, at the time, it may feel like it's one of the easiest crimes to do. But... Insurance fraud goes, there's so many things, right? Like, there's the companies that you're dealing with and whatever the heck you're working with and just so many things that, like, it builds up. I don't know how he did it. So, that So, Donna decides insurance fraud. That's the way to go. So, he got a partner and he, he worked closely with the local tobacco farmers and the plan was that they would just burn down the farms for a fee, And because these farms were insured by these companies, they're like, oh, the farmers would receive compensation from insurance companies and they'll be fine. If their barn burns down, the insurance will cover it and they'll rebuild, right? And Donna would make money out of this. But as time went on, other farmers and insurance companies are like, this is really suspicious, How come every single time a barn burns down, this Donald guy is always around? One day at one of these farms while he was planning his his little devilish plan, one of the farmer's daughters tells him how people are suspecting him of insurance fraud and burning down all these barns. And this upsets Donald, right? He's like... What the fuck did you just say to me? Right? How, like, where do you get that idea? Where are they getting this idea from? Blah, blah, blah. So he ends up grabbing a hammer nearby in the barn and he bashes her head in with it, right? He's like, he's like, hey, fuck you. You don't know anything. And he's going at it, right? Like bashing her head in. And he ends up splitting her skull. And then he attempts to flee the scene. 
the girl survives again. Donald is arrested, and this time he was charged with assault with a deadly weapon and attempted murder. He was sentenced to five years. Oh, so now he's really done, and now he's gotten himself, himself like sent to jail. So he gets sent to prison and has the same experience as he did when he was in the reform school. The rape, the harassment, um, the th- threatening of his life. Which, honestly, I just gotta say, that's karma. Karma's a bitch. You hurt somebody, you, you know, you have to face the consequences. You had a second chance and you fuck that up. And, you know, you're gonna, and yeah, you're gonna experience the same thing in prison as you did at the reform school. Because, you know why? You didn't change. And because you didn't change, why should it change for you? Right? That's, that's what it is, Donald. That's just what it is. But as time went on, and because he's there for five years, he's learned his way through the prison, right? He, he understands how it works, right? And to be respected, you got to get on the good side of the power man, right? The, the big guy, the one that everybody at the prison looks at them and they're like, yeah, you don't mess with that guy. Right? Because he's going to fuck you up. So Donald, he comes up with a plan. He's like, in his cell. And he's like, his plan was, I'm going to befriend one of the scariest, meanest people in this prison. Right? Like one of the scariest inmates that nobody, nobody wants to be around because he's scary. So he built their trust. And then when that inmate least expected it, Donald slits their throat. Now, before I continue, I just want to say, Donald, he has not learned his lesson. Clearly. Like, if you commit a crime in prison, guess what? Your sentence, guess what happens to that? You don't get out at your five years. Hell, you might, you're not even going to get through parole, right? Like, You're just adding time at this point. Like, buddy, if you want to get out, you got to be on good behavior to go to, you know, for them to be like, maybe he can get out early because he's been good. But if you're going to be killing people in the prison, uh uh-uh. No, no. That's a red flag. Donald was found guilty of manslaughter. And he spends six months in solitary confinement. But then, not only does he get the respect of the power man, he becomes the power man. Yeah, because you know why? If you kill the scariest person in the scariest person in prison, if you kill that person, guess what? You're now the scariest person. So throughout all this, Donald is still married to this 13-year-old girl that from the carnival, okay? And she's writing him letters um, while he's in prison. I don't know how she was able to do that. Like, if he was working, I don't know. I don't know how she was able to... I guess you find out where he's staying, like, like the prison he's at. And I guess, I don't know, For at 13, you're writing letters to this guy, you know? As Britney Spears would put it, 
Mama, I'm in love with a criminal. And this is the 13-year-old going through it. Writing letters to this guy who's clearly not right in the head. The couple ended up divorcing in 1955. And Donald decides, nope, that's not going to cut it. You can't just send me divorce papers and be like, I'm done with your ass. No, 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 no. I'm going to find a way to escape this prison, find you, and we're going to work our issues out. So he successfully breaks out, steals a car, and drives to Florida to look for her. I don't know how he found out he was in Florida, but anyways, he gets to Florida, finds a carnival, finds out it's a different carnival, and instead of trying to figure out where this girl is at this point... He sees somebody that catches his attention. A girl. Her name was Betty Gates. And Donald, it was like love at first sight for him. He was like, oh my god, I think I'm in love. I don't need whoever that 13-year-old girl was. I want this girl now. So he's doing everything that Betty wants him to do. And so she's asking him. So Donald falls in love with this girl. And she's like, listen. I need you to help me bail out my brother. He's in prison in Tennessee. And Donald, he's obsessed. Like, he's, like, in love with her. And he's like, yes, of course I'll help you. Right? So the two drive down to Tennessee. And when they get to the prison, Betty's like, here, give this pack of cigarettes to my brother. But what Donald didn't know was that she put razor blades in there. And Donald's like, okay. So he's handing him the pack of cigarettes right and he's like listen i can bail you out i have bail money let me figure some things out so you know donald's like putting in his name in the guest book right they give the sign in at the prison and then he's like i got the bail money let's just figure this out and while they're waiting to see if it will process if he could get out donald and betty go back to a hotel and they get a room and they're waiting right they're like waiting around to see what would happen but then donald goes listen i'll be back i'm gonna get myself a pack of cigarettes you stay here and i guess he's just going downstairs or i don't know where he went to go get this pack of cigarettes but it's not far he didn't have to drive he comes back betty's gone his car gone This is why you don't trust people that you just met. Then there was a knock at his hotel room door. like, And he's like, oh, I wonder who it is, right? Maybe it was like just somebody, like one of the staff, right? Because his car's gone. But it was the authorities. And they came to speak to Donald because they're like, hey, you're the last person to see this guy um, at the prison. And he goes, and, you know, Donald's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's Betty, Betty Gates' brother. We're trying to see if we can bail him out. And then the authority goes, oh, no, you helped him escape inside the pack of cigarettes or razor blades. And he escaped with the razor blades or whatever. I don't know how you did that, but he did. And then Donald's, like, telling them the situation they're like listen this girl named betty you know i met her in florida we came to tennessee we were bailing out her brother i have bail money right etc and she she left with my car 
And authorities tell Donald, that's not her brother, that's her husband. And you just aided, uh, you know, like, an, ev- an escaped convict. And of course, because the police has his name, because he wrote it down in that book, now they're searching Donald. They're like, huh, wow, like, what the, this, you know, like, what did your car look like, blah, blah, blah. What are the license plates? Of course, it's a stolen car. And so Donald's just like, listen, you'll find it. Just search my name up. Oh, Donald, you're so stupid. So the police are searching up his name. They find out he's an escaped convict. So Donald's arrested again. And this time he gets additional nine months on top of his sentence. So on top of that five years, now he's got nine months. All right, so it's basically six years now. And he got the nine months for aiding and escaping. This time in prison, he becomes best friends with a mafia boss named Frank Costella. I mean, not Costella, Costello. In August 1961, Donald gets released from prison. He returns to Florence, South Carolina, and he decides... This is my hometown. This is where I'm going to reside for the rest of my life. I'm not leaving ever again. That's smart, Donald. Just stay in your hometown and, you know, be a better person. You got not only a second chance, you got a third chance now. All right, be better. This time he finds a job with a traveling minister and he offers to be his driver or assistant or whatever he needs. And the minister is like, yes, please right like okay you're hired and the only reason why donald wants this job is because they're traveling so he's able to go to city from city looking like a good person helping the minister meanwhile he wants to do this so that he can break in the homes and steal because he said you know it's a lot easier to do this because By the time they try to trace it back to me, I mean, it would take them a while because we're always on the go. So the minister and his group would go to church and preach or do what they're doing. And Donald's here, like, looking at houses, like, I'm going to bring into this house and this house and this house. And they're not going to get, they're not going to get back to me. Right. But then he makes the mistake. 1962, Donald gets caught raping a 12-year-old girl. Nasty fuck. He was arrested for statutory rape, but was able to escape, steal a car, and drive down to North Carolina. How? What kind of guards are these do they have at this prison that he's able to escape at every single one of them? Man. He's pulling a Bundy. Which is not good. Once there, he meets a 17-year-old girl. Again, he falls in love and marries her. He then decided to be honest with her and tell her that he's actually on the run because he raped a 12-year-old girl. She's looking at him like, are you fucking kidding me right now? No, I cannot be with you. Her being the good citizen that she is, she turns him in. Yes. Please, turn him in. That guy should not be out of jail. 
this time Donald is serving six years in prison. And he served his full sentence. Okay, he didn't try to escape nothing. He served his full sentence and was released November 1968. So by now, Donald's saying he gets dark thoughts and feelings and these thoughts and feelings or whatever would tell him he had to commit a crime. And they would get worse and they wouldn't go away until he does commit said crime. If he eventually got to the thought of murder. I mean, it's not his first time. He slit his inmate. So, September 1969, Donald picks up a hitchhiker in North Carolina and he asks her if she would be willing to do sexual favors. And she's looking at him like, you're a joke. And she's laughing at him, like right up in his face. And so he pulls over, beats the shit out of her. Then when she's unconscious, he rapes her, sodomizes her. And if you don't know what sodomize means, it means that he did anal. Tortures her. And then he went to a nearby swamp, picked up rocks, tied it to her body, and dumped her in the swamp. And the reason why he used rocks was so that her uh, body would sink to the bottom. Now, the hitchhiker would be the first of many, many that come along the coastal highway. And he didn't have a style or a type. So all these missing people that police kept getting, right? Like there's a list of missing persons, right? All those posters you see. They don't know what's happening to them. But they're getting killed by Donald. And again, because he didn't have a style or a type, besides the fact that they're a hitchhiker, like, you know, he went for either gender. He didn't care what they looked like. Didn't care about the age. So there was nothing in common except for the fact that they were hitchhikers. Police were like, I don't know if this is a serial killer or maybe just a random person killing. I don't know. It would sound like a a serial killer to me if it's because their target are hitchhikers. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But I don't work for the police and I'm not a serial killer. So what do I know? Later on in life, Donald ends up writing a memoir, and he claimed that the thoughts needed him to commit these crimes by the 10th of each month, and that many of the victims were people he didn't know, and he just considered this as weekend fun. Because, you know, most people on the weekends, you know, they go out with friends, go to the bar, you know, have grab some few drinks, like, you know, grab a few drinks, have dinner, you know, do a movie night, do a game night, whatever, you know. Saturdays are for the boys. Um, but no, his weekend fun was, I'm just going to go drive along the coastal highway and just kill these hitchhikers. And because it's a quote-unquote weekend fun, it's not serious. No, no, it's just for fun. So, Donald ends up killing his 15-year-old niece and her friend eventually. And that, he considered, was a serious crime. He was like, no, 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 that was a serious murder. That was not no weekend fun. That that took a lot in me to, to do that. Actually, it takes a lot for a person to kill anybody, okay? Or to create, like, not create, but like, to commit a crime. Because most people, after committing a crime, a decent person 
would feel guilt. And for you to be able to kill your own niece. There's something wrong with him. Again, he should not be out of jail. And because he rarely killed people that he knew, it was like, again, people didn't know. He would only kill people that he knew if they owed him money or they were blackmailing him. And it's gotten so serious that people would just hire him to be a hitman. That's not a good job. Imagine having that on your resume. After Donald killed his victims, he would bury them along the coastal area of South Carolina, and people in the neighborhood would describe him as weird, uh, short-tempered, not friendly, mentally disturbed, and they just try to avoid him at all costs. He only had a small group of friends, and one of the friends um, that he claimed was his neighbor, Doreen. I'm sorry. Uh, First off, like... I just gotta say, poor Doreen, and what happens to her. Um, you know, she had she had a daughter, and she was pregnant with baby number two, and Donald took the friendship like for granted. Um, she asked Don, so Doreen goes up to Donald, and he goes, "Hey, you know, because we're good friends, could you drive me to the bus station?" you know she's pregnant and she i guess she needed to get to one of her appointments and he agrees but then he takes her to a secluded area that was not the bus station and he kills her and her daughter but so before he killed them he actually rapes them and then he buried them in the wooded area so not only did he kill two people he basically killed three because doreen was pregnant the sick motherfucker killed children and a baby okay a baby by the age of 42 donald had been killing for over five years one day he was driving down the highway and he saw a broken down van and three people trying to figure out what's going on with their van and their and so he's like oh oh i got this i'm gonna pull over i'm gonna ask, i'm gonna offer some help so that's what he did he pulled over and he goes hey would you like some help And instead of helping them figure out what's wrong with the van, he ends up killing them. Goes and buries them, but then he realizes, shit, what do I do with the van? How do I get rid of this? This is evidence. So he calls up his friend, Walter Neely, who he met in jail. And he tells Walter, hey, listen, there's a van out here on the coastal highway. And I think if we take it back to your garage and paint it, we can re- like." You can sell it for money. That's what Walter did. I don't know how he got to the coastal highway, but that's what he did. He came, picked up the van, painted it, and, you know, made it look brand new, and he sold it. Months would go by, and Donald kills six more people. He then calls Walter, and he's like, hey, listen, I just killed six people, but I need you to help me bury them. I have my own private cemetery. It's a piece of land that I own. Okay? It's in South Carolina. Walter agrees. Walter's also stupid. Why the hell would you agree? You just got out of jail, too. November 1975, Walter gets arrested for the suspicion of murder. During the questioning, police tell him, Listen, you tell us whatever you know, and we can lessen your sentence, okay? 
and he's already been in the in prison once right so he's like fuck that shit i'm not spending any more time than i have to so he's telling them everything they're like there's this guy donald gaskins he's been killing people on the coastal highway and i know where he buries them because he showed me he showed me himself i can take you to i can take you there right i'll show you right and he goes he confided in me okay he confided in me about these killings and you know police are showing um walter the the list of missing the missing persons list right and he's like all these people that are missing i know where they are they're dead i know i know exactly where they're buried too you you better go find this donald guy so police go to donald's apartment to search it and they find clothing worn by a recent woman that was on the missing persons list and the police arrest donald and they tell him they knew about the cemetery they knew they got a source and they're like if you take us there we can lessen your sentence right the police are playing smart and so donald's like fuck yeah lesser sentence that means i can get out faster right i can get out faster i could continue doing my shit right so police so he takes the police to his cemetery and police discover eight victims on his property April 27, 1976, Donald and Walter were charged with eight counts of murder. May 24, 1976, a jury convicted Donald of murder and decided to confess, and but he decided to confess the seven more murders um, because the jury then tells him that he was going to be facing the death penalty. But he wanted more. Like he was like, I want more than just one death penalty. I don't know why he decided to add it up himself stupid so that's what he did he was like listen i can tell you a lot more about these murders i'll confess them more but in 1974 the supreme court ended up ruling that the death penalty was on unconstitutional so his death sentence turned into seven consecutive life sentences instead but then 1978 the death penalty was restored and but because it was our he was already sentenced the life sentences it did not um count so it just stayed with what one death sentence seven consecutive consecutive life sentences instead of all of them being death sentences donald was held in the high security block at the south carolina correctional institution and he decided to kill a death row inmate named Rudolf Tyner. Donald was hired by the son of Rudolph's victim to kill him. And Donald took a small portable radio, put explosives in it, and tells Donald, right? He Or Rudolph. He tells Rudolph, hey, listen, you want to be my buddy? You put this radio to your ear at 5 p.m. And I'm going to be telling you instructions. And I'll tell you things that nobody else knows from my cell okay just just put it up to your ear at 5 5 p.m and that's what rudolph did what he didn't know was donald could set off the explosives from his cell and that's how donald got his death sentence back donald knew he was heading to the electric chair and he started to confess to more murders because he's like i'm gonna stall them right i don't want to die right away 
So if I keep telling them about these murders, they're going to have to stop because they're going to want more information. He confesses to killing 100 to 110 people. Except to this day, there is no evidence that he did that. So realistically, nobody knows how many he actually killed because they couldn't find the bodies. So he's confessing, right? And for the last few months of his life, he started working with an author to publish a book about his life. The book was called Final Truth. It was published in 1993. September 5th, 1991 was Donald's execution date. And he didn't want to die in the chair, so he tried cutting his wrist in hopes of dying in his cell and not the chair. But that backfired. They ended up taking him to the nurse, stitch him up, and put him on the chair. So the chair, the, the wrist restraints, sat right on top of his stitches. So that hurt like a motherfucker. And they're like, karma's a bitch. So not only did he suffer more pain because he's dealing with the stitches and the wounds being pressed against the chair while this is happening, he's just, he's like in pain, right? He's like, fuck, it's actually happening. September 6th, 1991, at around 1 a.m., Donald was executed. And that is the case of Donald Peewee Gaskins Jr. Again, if you would like to if you would like to access my episodes earlier, um, you know, and get more benefits, again, please check out Patreon www.patreon.com/slash the crime hour. Until next time, bye.